this is the audio class experience. A lot of millennials experienced the global financial crisis that we had about 10 to 12 years ago. Um, and it's already been 12 to, yeah, 10, 12 years more or less. And it was a pretty tough experience for a lot of millennials who started to go into the labor market and seek opportunities and start to work in the labor force. Um, and this left the mark and the effects of the crisis can still resonate. To, to this, we can still feel the effects uh, till this day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 23, by the way, of the audio class experience. And today I'm going to talk about some pretty meaty topics. So make sure that you guys stay tuned. Let's start by summing up the crisis really quickly and what were the causes. Basically, the main cause was the deregulation of the financial sector. Let me explain. 2006, there was a time during that year where uh, house prices fell. So realtors, real estate investors, people interested in real estate, uh, were super happy because they thought that it was about time to start buying more houses after several years of steady increases in the prices. So the supply of houses began to go up really quick. What happened was that banks started to give out tons of loans to people whose credit scores, meaning that financially they were not very stable more or less, or they were not in the condition to actually pay back a whole mortgage. And so it wasn't a very good idea for banks to do this. So the chances of banks actually getting their money back and the interest that they were supposed to pay on that mortgage um, was lower. So banks needed a form to, uh, a sort of form of collateral in order to put up with the risk of giving out these loans to random people with low credit scores. And as a result, banks used something called mortgage-backed securities, which is kind of like bonds where you pay banks a certain amount of money and in return they give you some interest. So as demand for mortgages went up constantly, banks had to issue more of these securities in order to provide those mortgages. Then, insurance companies who insured homes went bankrupt as a result because they couldn't uh, pay for all the damage caused by all the defaults and all the people who couldn't pay back their loans because of their low credit score, of course. And so banks just didn't get their money back. And since there were so many houses out there, it's a it, it was a huge cost for insurance companies to insure all those houses. And it was just too much to put up with, pretty much. And um, they went bankrupt and, and they needed um, a rescue as a result receive funds from the from the banks and so that's the reason why you don't lend money to people who won't pay you back stock markets as a result also plunged as a response to this people didn't get their money back companies closed down which left a lot of people on the streets and governments played a major role in flooding their economies with liquidity by printing money and buying bonds to this day Governments still can't cope with levels of debt since their spending is greater than the income that they collect. So we'll see how in the next recession 
um, or the next crisis, how it's going to turn out as uh, each one is different. Some are for inflationary causes, others are for deflationary causes. And the best way to deal with these situations or similar and apocalyptic situations is to have an emergency fund for contingencies, just in case. Save money, invest it when nobody is buying assets, and increase your streams of income. So I think that first, firstly, you need to save. To do this, you need to figure out how much money you spend each month and how much money you have saved. You need to build a certain level of security, as I said earlier, for certain situations. And also, you need to know how to save well. In other words, where to put your savings. Then, you figure out the inflation rate in relation to the after-tax income that you earn so that you can have a good picture of um, how your savings are going down in value over time. So let's say that inflation is 2 or 3% and you're earning 1%. Increasing, you know, you know what I mean. And so on that 1%, you have to pay taxes. So you're basically going to get taxed at 2% each year. So that's a problem. What do we do then? We have to move into assets um, that are going to do better over a period of time like saving cash so the second rule would be to diversify well but be careful with diversification you don't have to diversify in 20 different assets 10 to 15 is usually quite fine but you have to make sure that you pick very well um, make sure you do it well and that you have you're fully informed about the investments and you don't put your money into an index fund sorry into a mutual fund who manage it for you the chances are that within your diverse portfolio of assets what can happen is that uh, one of them can be a complete flop and it can definitely harm the rest of your assets because it can even eat up in a hypothetical situation 50% of your total savings or something like that so um, make sure that you pick different countries to invest in different asset classes and not just stocks but also maybe tradable funds bonds real estate commodities maybe cryptocurrencies but be very careful with this and of course uh, if you can start a business that'd be great but it takes a lot of effort of course and the next thing that you should be cautious about, and this happens always, is getting into bad debt. When you get into debt, think about whether or not it's going to help you in this for your sa- it's going to help your savings in the future, or if it can. Um, so if it's if it's going to affect your savings in a negative way or in a positive way, if it's going to help you to gain some kind of income in the foreseeable future. For example, buying a building, a house, or even a vending machine, or an ATM. Um, this can help you get some cash flow. Saving for these kind of assets is a good thing. But saving for buying a car, a bike, or a new TV, or a new console is obviously not. And spending money, of course, on cash, on cash, 
Clash Royale, Clash Royale, and Fortnite and all that kind of stuff is. If you spend money on that kind of stuff, you're in a bad place in life. So don't spend money on games, please. Um, and also, um, saving for these kind of assets is a good thing. Remember that your asset needs to produce more income than the cost of your debt, obviously. Rule of thumb. Debt for consumption is not okay. It's common sense. Why get into debt for something that you can't afford and that doesn't produce any income? And finally, uh, I would say that if you were to buy an asset, do the opposite of what most people tell you to do or the opposite of what you actually see the market doing. Um, or sometimes uh, the opposite of what your instincts might tell you. If people buy, you sell. If people sell, you buy. This is because the market reflects the crowd. And the way to get the most leverage out of the crowd is to do the exact opposite of what everyone else is doing. So when stocks plunge or houses, house prices fall, interest rates are low, and that's when you have to start enter and play the game of investing. Get everything cheap. Then you sell when everything is overvalued, like right now, most things are overvalued. If you're into like making a little short-term sort of profit. Um, now, this is something that's <coughs> emotionally very difficult, but it's also a rule of thumb. Market timing is always very difficult because it requires you to identify the best moment to buy or sell. There are times when you decide to sell and value keeps going up. And there's also times where you decide to buy when everything is overvalued and high priced. So it's not always easy to predict the right move. It takes a lot of money and a lot of resources and a lot of patience and a lot of trial and error to play this kind of game. Um, some say that next economic downturn will have major implications on pensions for the elderly, which I believe is true. And the same will occur with healthcare. So my generation and maybe the ones to come will have to endure the consequences of the public whole transfer system and public funded systems, um, which is paid by taxpayers. So not only are we paying taxes for an unsustainable system, but we will also have to put up with this issue in the future because we can't fully pay for most pensions, if not all pensions. Healthcare and pensions are like debt. They require cash to pay for those things. And if you think about it, uh, we don't have enough money to fund those things. So when you look at demographics, you see people that are aging, at scale because of the boomers. So they'll need to use healthcare quite a lot. And of course they have to collect their pension. So how do we put up with this? Should we just print more money? That's it. As I've said in the previous episode, inflation is the devil. This isn't a very good option. Then there's the whole uh, wealth gap and inequality situation, which I would like to explain. And it's very complex and it's very important. I think that we need to believe in capitalism 
it's got to work for people because like it's true that the bottom 60 or 70 percent are suffering as a result of maybe distribution of of wealth to the upper and higher earning population that has most of the wealth and it's in the hands of very few amount of people i personally think that this issue is a lack of good education i th- i believe in my opinion and also a lack of financial education as i always say because why do the rich become rich it's because they learned how to harness the power of money while the rest of society was never taught this so there's an unfair advantage already and i think this is where the inequality gap is in the lack of information that a lot of people don't just don't have i guess and um i mean some people perceive people who have a lot of money to be greedy and unethical and they're the same people who have never even bothered to ask themselves why there's such a bit large difference between rich rich people and everything and everyone else it's because there's a difference in kind of knowledge that they have of money and the perception that they have of money it's different um so we should instead of saying oh this is too complicated for me to understand and i don't have time anyways do take the time to learn and understand because you'll eventually be thankful in the long run and furthermore there's also a, a portion of people in our society who are either disengaged in school meaning that they go to class but they don't show any sort of attention or interest and also disconnected people who don't know where exactly they are in the future these people will obviously not be productive they won't be employable so they're going to end up in the streets and this is bad for the whole pension system thing and healthcare and tax collection well because obviously these people are on the streets one good way to help these kind of people is to try and give them incentives to be productive not by giving them welfare money of course but microloans from from like microfinance from like Grameen Bank or something like that for starting up a business for example a little business that can solve some kind of need i don't know like lemonade not like a lemonade stand but maybe uh, i don't know something that can satisfy a need for example in your community in a community and that you can make some money off of that and so the idea of giving small loans to people with low incomes and incentivizing them um so that they can pay back their loans they can make money pay back loans and usually these kind of loans have pretty um high payback rate, rates of 97 98% payback so that's it's it's great and it's because the kind of pressure that these kind of people get when they get these kind of loans is a lot lower than the regular sort of commercial bank that we're used to see because they charge maybe 10% interest or something like that that's just terrible so that would that would really help people to be more productive it would be good i guess for tax collection it would be good for society in whole i guess and um but that that still wouldn't solve the 
Okay, well, it could maybe close the gap just a little bit more if we had more people who could maybe sell and provide value in some way because this can also be, instead of, obviously, this is a lot a much better solution than giving welfare to people because if you just give welfare, that money that you give people, they take it for granted, they don't have to pay it back and they can just do whatever they want with that money. I'm not saying that they're going to spend it on demerit goods like alcohol or drugs or something like that or something that you shouldn't be spending on but if you give them the chance to have a purpose you know and give them some money and help them figure let them figure out how to pay back those loans make a little profit get their business off the ground and actually make a living i'm sure they'll be very happy selling something that they're, ha they're passionate about more or less i guess and I can, and also like uh, encouraging the competition of people around the community to try and make something better than their competitors. So that's going to foster a whole like more entrepreneurial spirit. And I guess that's a good way to, to reduce the inequality gap. So to sum it all up, firstly, focus on savings. Second, diversify across places and asset classes. Uh, put your money in different countries as well remember that as well number three be wary of debt that doesn't aid your savings or might not earn you a return in excess of the debt so avoid debt for consumption and number four if you're going to time the market do what goes against your instinct or what makes you uncomfortable such as buying when others don't want to. And that's it for today, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the audio class experience. Make sure you share this podcast, subscribe, discuss with the people around you that you know about what you learned and whether or not you agree with what I say. And also make sure that you listen to the episode again so that you can retain the things that you've learned. And that's a good way of learning, repeating. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and LinkedIn and so that you're up to date with the latest content that I post. And I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Peace.